Hello, I am Isis Clay and I am an educator. I'm a multidisciplinary theater artist and I am the CEO of Sculpted Clay Productions, uh, which is a company that goes into schools to help them create systems to increase their SEL for both um, all the adults as well as the students. Hi, everybody. This is Moshe Fried, and welcome to the very 110th episode of the Class Stars podcast. Here is my conversation with Isis Clay. The big question is, how do teachers like us, who are being pulled in so many directions, with so many demands and so much to do, how do we make sure that we not only get through our lesson as planned, but also make sure that every child is noticed every day, and that each one gets the attention they need to succeed? That is the question, and the Class Stars podcast is here to give you the answer. Here is your host, Moshe Freed. We're thrilled to be joined today by Isis Clay of Sculpted Clay Productions, who has been in education for quite a while and has taken a very dramatic, excuse the pun, uh, turn and really created a, a niche for herself. Isis, it's great to have you on the podcast. It's great uh, to be here, Moshe. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's let's go back and, and let's talk about how you got involved in this, starting with how you came into education in the first place. What was it that drew you to education? Clearly, you're very, very creative and had a lot of opportunity to go in a lot of different directions. What was it that pulled you into education? So I was a, uh, a theater major in college and I had no, <laughs> no thoughts, no plans, anything of going into education at all. However, love got me very quickly when I was uh, in college and I met the love of my life. I, I um, married him and we started our family super early and realized that the track that I had originally intended was to go to New York and you know become a big star on Broadway. Um, wasn't necessarily going to work the way I thought it would with a husband and um, and children. So uh, my husband, who was a an educator at the time, he was a teacher. He had gone the traditional teacher track. Um, a good friend of ours said that, hey, you know, the Maryland Department of Juvenile Services, which at the time it was juvenile justice, um, they're, they're having a huge teacher fair. And so I was like, I don't want to be a teacher, but I need a job and I have a degree. So we went and found out that uh, they were only looking for one person. I was like, my husband's clearly going to get this. Um, they ended up hiring two, both myself and my husband. Yes. Um, they saw my background in theater and they wanted to try something a little differently with the youth that were um, in the facilities and they wanted me to try to come up with something that was more like drama therapy. Although again, I do not have a therapy background. <laughs> um, I latched onto it because I heard the word drama. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So I went into the classroom with uh, this challenging classroom to say the least. Uh, I taught students from as young as seven, seven, imagine that in, in the uh, juvenile detention facility. Seven, all the way up to 21. Wow. 
This is crazy. Wow. The most challenging educational system that you can imagine um, with zero pedagogy, zero, zero teaching background. I had no idea, but I did know how to connect with people because my, my background in theater taught me that and um, how to empathize, how to uh, ask the right questions to get inside of what they were thinking and feeling. And um, so I, that was my end. And I stayed in the Maryland Department of Juvenile Services. I loved it for years um, until I didn't because of the recidivism, uh, uh, the amount of recidivism in the system. You know, it was a revolving door. It was like we weren't helping. We were housing. And that didn't sit well with me. So um, I left and I went to what I called the opposite, what I thought was the opposite end of the, the spectrum, a a large performing arts magnet school program uh, and stayed there for many, many, many years. I uh, thought I was running from the rough home lives and all of these complicated situations when I left the Department of Juvenile Services and realized, no, no, you really didn't. <laughs> you know, these students still have these issues. Um, the difference, one, well, one of the differences was that they found something that they were passionate at and they something that they did not want to let go of. And so uh, this actually behind me is my former classroom. So, um, but I did that for many years, Moshe, and I, and I think I'm going past the question that you asked. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and I'll tell you, as I'm listening to you speak, it just reminded me of something that, you know, you said you came into the classroom with no pedagogy, no educational background, but you did have a background in theater that allowed you to connect with these kids. And I think one of the things that are so, so important, and I don't hear spoken about, you know, enough is that it's not enough for you to actually understand or even to be able to feel what these kids are going through, but your ability to communicate that empathy is so important. And that's where I think that your strength in drama was so powerful because you know how to communicate empathy. You know, that's one of the things that you learn in, in drama school. Not that I ever went to drama school, so I'm talking like I know, but, you know, I, I can only imagine that, you know, a good drama communicates that empathy. And that piece is so important because it's so often that I speak with teachers who, you know, try really hard to connect with kids. You know, it's not like that the teachers are not trying to connect with the kids. They try to connect with the kids. And that is its own challenge. I'm not right. saying that that's easy. I'm not saying that everybody can do that. But even those that can very often will struggle on their ability to communicate the empathy. Because I worked with so many kids who told me that their teachers didn't care about them mm. or even hated them. Mm. And, and in many cases, they didn't. They mm -hmm. just couldn't communicate that empathy. And I think that your strength in, in, in drama really allowed you to do that. And that's why the kids responded so well to you because they got that you got it, yeah. you know, and, and that was just, you know, amazing to hear you say. So no, you did not overshoot the question at all. That's exactly amazing. So now Sculpted Clay Productions, where did that come from? Great question. So um, I, when I went to the, to the performing arts school, um, I got it in my head that I would throw myself completely into education. Um, I went back to school, I got my master's 
and curriculum and instruction. Um, got the pedagogy, you know, on lock, um, began writing curriculum and became um, what I thought was the perfect teacher, you know, um, that I was able to really get in, dig into the uh, content as well as relate to them. Um, and what ended up happening um, while I got and, and led many professional developments on um, curriculum instruction, uh, I was never given a professional development on how to deal with a lot of the struggles that teachers had to deal with. You know, so I started out at, at maybe around year, I would say around year 10, um, between eight and 10, I started feeling the effects of burnout. And I, I don't know any teacher personally who's never felt the effects of burnout, but burnout is not a death sentence. You know, you, you there are ways to bounce back, you know, and become an even stronger teacher and even more, uh, uh, you know, a stronger teacher. Uh, but after I kind of recovered from my burnout, unfortunately, I suffered several losses um, from students. Um, during my time at that school, I lost three students to death. Um, and also during that time, there were two suicide attempts that happened at the school, both of which I, well, in my program, um, both of which I found the students. One I found, one actually came to my door bleeding because they had a change of heart. And um, that of course affected me on a profound level. However, the system that I was working in at the time um, kind of glossed it over. I always talk about, you know, when unfortunately schools have losses or or these things that happen, um, the an administrator would or someone, a school leader would get on the, the intercom and they'd say, you know, um, there are grief counselors here to talk to your students, you know. Um, so if a student needs a pass to go to a grief counselor, allow that. Um, and sometimes they'd say, you know, for teachers, if teachers need to talk someone to, but time was not given for that because, you know, a student, you can give them a pass and they can go talk to that counselor. But during teachers planning period, I don't know any teacher whose planning periods are not overrun with a laundry list of things to do. Life ticks on, keeps going. And so after the years and years and years of just continuing to keep going, I realized that I was slowly becoming a shadow of the teacher that I once was. But beyond that, I was starting to exhibit some things that uh, were not healthy at all. Um, fear, when I came home from, from, from work, you know, that constant fear that I was gonna lose another student, that constant, every time the news came on and, and you know, something about a teen flash, it was just like, like PTSD almost. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And um, in 2018, I realized that I needed to take a step back. Um, and I left the classroom without any idea of what I was gonna do. Um, I was in therapy. And my therapist said, you know what? I think you should write. She had been saying for years, you should write some things down, write your journey down, use a journal. And um, 
during one of the, the sessions, she said, you know, you're, you're a theater person, you're a theater practitioner. Why don't you write a play? Maybe that would help because I wasn't really connecting with the journal writing, write a play about it. And I was like, eh, I don't like it. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, but a, a, a conversation with a friend of mine who actually had a, a theater, uh, a theater troupe, not theater troupe, I'm sorry, theater company. Um, she was like, what are you going to do now that you're out of the classroom? Um, I have an opportunity for you. And I was like, okay, great. I need something. Let's do it. She was like, okay, do you have anything written? You know, cause this is a, you know, a written thing. And I said, well, no, but you know, my therapist said I should write a, a play. So maybe I'll write a play. And she's like, okay, great. I'm going to send you the information this week. I get the information and the, this wonderful thing was at the Kennedy Center here in Washington, DC. It was a performance at the Kennedy Center. She was like, yes. So you are slated for this time, this date. This is what we were going to do. Just send me what you're going to do. I was like, oh. So I wrote wow. a solo show. Talk, talk about th being thrown in at the deep end. <laughs> so I wrote a solo show about my journey in and through education, dealing with burnout, dealing with secondary stress, um, secondary traumatic stress and what that looked like and uh, the ugly truths about it and the beautiful moments that happened in the classroom. Um, I was blessed to tour it after the Kennedy Center, I went up to New York and um, ran for a little bit and then went out to Arizona, brought it back to Washington, DC. And it was that one right before the pandemic hit. And to get to, I'm, I'm rounding the bend to get to your answer, uh, to get the answer. Uh, it was there that I performed it for, for teachers for the first time. Wow. And afterwards I realized that this play was not there. It started out as therapy for me but it couldn't live there, that our teachers were hurting, that I was not an anomaly, um, unfortunately. And so I decided that I was gonna create the system that I needed when I was in the classroom. And thus Sculpted Clay Productions was born. Um, I realized that through the art, the same way through, I used art uh, as a healing mechanism, uh, through, the, through art, it, it creates uh, opportunities for several different things. Um, and I use it as a vehicle inside, uh, professional developments to get to some very complicated, uh, topics like secondary traumatic stress. Um, uh, I use it to engage a lot of times educators because I've said, I can't think of one teacher who hasn't sat through a, a professional development and was like, why am I here? <laughs> this is, this is not. And so you grab them and then you hook them. And then they're like, yeah, this is me. I have felt this. I'm feeling this now. How can I uh, get out of this, this vortex? And so I help schools create systems for teachers to get out of that vortex. It's amazing. And you know, it's like, I remember I was talking to somebody recently who was telling me that for years, people are saying that, you know, our attention span has been kind of dumbed down, you know, because of technology and media yeah. and everything is really, really small. But then you take a look at some podcasts that are like hours long, mm -hmm. that are very, very popular, or mm -hmm. movies like, for example, you know, the the uh, Marvel movies that a couple of them were like hours, like three hours, ridiculous, yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know, and everyone can't get enough of them. Right. Because when you grab somebody, like you said, and this speaks to also what I mentioned earlier that you reminded me of. You're, you're communicating your empathy. Yes. You know, they're watching what you've been through, 
and they're experiencing it themselves and they've already experienced this themselves. It resonates mm-hmm. with them on such a deep level, yeah. you know, like, like you were saying, like, like almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. This is that in a positive way, right. you know, you're, you're speaking to what they've been through. They hear it, it resonates with them and you just grab them and, and you're helping them develop these systems. You know, sustainability is not just environmental sustainability. It's you know, emotional human being sustainability as well. And we ask people to go into an educate, you know, field of education and to give 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. dedicated to this. We better make sure that they can last because if we're burning them out in 10 years and then we're wondering, you know, why everyone's dropping out. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing is, Moshe, there are so, you know, we ha- we're in a crisis right now of losing teachers, but there are so many people who want to stay in the classroom, whose calling it is to be there for students, to teach students. Like they feel the most alive. They felt the most alive when they were in front of, you know, and in front of a classroom, but we're failing them when we ignore these very human things. And, and of course, it's a much more complicated situation than that. You know, it's much more complicated. Lots of things go into it. But if we see the humanity in teachers and we recognize that humanity and we speak life into that and speak into that, we can see a change in this teacher turnover situation. Um, that's the beginning. For sure. For sure. So what has been the most exciting part of your journey so far? I mean, I'm assuming that it's in the Sculpted Clay Productions, but I don't want to limit it to that. Share with us the, like a, a really great highlight. Oh, um, every time I've, I am able to, to do this professional development, um, the solo show and into the actual uh, facilitated uh, portion of it is exciting. But I always go back to the Kennedy, the Kennedy Center performance and the Atlas Theater performance. Um, the Kennedy Center, not even because it was at the Kennedy Center, but when I looked out in the audience, so many of my former students were there. And it was this, I think I was the most nervous ever getting on stage, stepping wow. in front of my, for my students. And um, it was like midway, and I'm getting a little <laughs> emotional here, but it was like midway the show, usually, you know, it's dark and you can't see the audience, right? Um, but I looked up and I remember seeing one of my students and they were just crying. And I was like, I had to take a breath because I realized that I had not walked this road alone. They were there. They saw me spiral and they saw that humanity in me then and at that moment so clearly. And they remembered those moments. And um, I, I don't know if it was, it wasn't necessarily the most exciting, but it was the most vulnerable and the most beautiful moment I think I have had um, in this process was, was that. Um, yeah, exciting is just really have, being able to see my story affect people and help them. Not necessarily just affect them, but uh, spur change 
especially with when principals see it, they're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we not we got we have to fix this. I want to keep teachers. Wow. Wow. Powerful stuff. Wow. You blew me away, Isis. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, and, and to me, to listen to you speak about this, it's it's amazing on so many levels, but just one thing, it just underscores and highlights that that human connection. Mm -hmm. You can connect with people on that level, you know, to see a student cry in the audience of a performance that you've given, you know, you've touched that student in such a deep way. And now the student reciprocates mm -hmm. and touches you in the deepest way as well. And that's really, that's really the magic that pulls so many people in, whether we know it or not, whether we can articulate it this way or not. You know, I don't know if I ever could have articulated it this way before this conversation, but it's, it's that, it's that uh, feeling that really can't be described any other way that you know that you're touching these people in the deepest, most profound ways. Mm -hmm. And in effect, they're, they're affecting you and they yes. are changing yeah. you you're absolutely right you know it sometimes we have this when we ask teachers you know their, their favorite part of teaching um they never say <laughs> you know professional development <laughs> it's always when that door closes and those light bulb moments happen you know you hear that often and it and it goes to exactly what you just said that moment when you realize that you have touched an individual and because this moment has happened both of us have changed for the better. Both of us have, our lives have been enriched. You can't find that in, you know, just walking down the street. And that's what makes, makes teaching so magical and why we must protect, we must protect it. Yes, yes. And I'll just add one other uh, thought to that. As, you know, as we struggle with figuring out the proper balance between remote learning, automated yes. learning and all that kind of stuff, you know, there's this old, you know, parable that I heard one of my teachers years ago told me the difference between eating at a restaurant or eating at home. Mm -hmm. When you eat at a restaurant, it's exotic. It's nice. It's elegant. But the one who's preparing the food is not preparing it for you. Mm -hmm. They're just preparing it. Whoever comes to get it, gets it. And so it's special. But if you eat in a restaurant too often, it starts to get disgusting. You just yeah. can't, you know, yeah. the food that you eat at home is simpler, but that's the food that makes you who you are because you eat it day after day. And the one who's preparing it is preparing it special for you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you have when you have an individual teacher who's coming in day after day and building those relationships and touching their students and the students reciprocate and touch them back. That's something that no YouTube video will ever be able to replicate. And so I'm not saying that there's no room at all for, you know, this kind of instruction, but it can't be the primary source. It yeah. needs to be supplemental at best, and, and we need to figure it out. And, you know, this is just, you know, so amazing. So thank you so much for, for that journey. Wow, really, really amazing. And for sure, any principal who is listening to this, anyone who's in a position to bring your production into their school, 
totally recommend it. <laughs> you should yeah, again, it's beyond the production. It's beyond yeah. the, the production is the hook. Right. The, the right. point right. Right. is to create a system so right. that you can keep your teachers. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And for the teachers themselves so that they stay fresh and motivated yes. and inspired as, as they were the first day that they came in. So let me ask you one final question before we, we wrap up. So, so we're going to be hopefully in the next few days making an announcement on Clubhouse. We'll make the announcement here now because I'm not sure if we'll, if we'll actually get to Clubhouse before this is published <laughs> or you know which one is going to come first. But, but we're creating a partnership. Sculpted Clay Productions and Class Stars is creating a partnership because when we met, I guess it was the first or second time that we met a couple of months ago, and I showed you what I'm trying to do to help teachers and to help students, it's something that really resonated with you as well. So, so speak about that. Speak about you know how it felt to you when I showed you what we're doing with Class Stars and you know, your journey through that up until the partnership that we have today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, when you showed me, when you did the screen share and showed me everything that class stars um, can do from the simplest thing to the most complex, where you have these graphs and these, these reports that you can show. Um, first off, I was just floored. And my second thought was, oh my gosh, I wish I was in the classroom <laughs> to use this. Like, this is amazing. Um, being able to make the implicit things that we do in the classroom very explicit, you know, uh, to, to really track how many times we are uh, engaging with students, one, um, to track how, how, often the, the number of hours that we are logging um, and teaching the student when they're in the classroom and not, you know, on a break or, you know, in the bathroom or not there that day to really look at that in, in black and white and see where I am as a teacher, where I am uh, as a communicator with these young people in my space and who needs a little bit more of, of my attention um, in different areas, right? Who needs more of my, more of my attention academically? Who needs more of my, atten my attention behaviorally or even with the uh, social interaction? Who needs that? Being able to see it is such an, a, a groundbreaking idea. You know, we sit in front of, we stand in front of, of students anywhere from, I think my smallest class, and I was blessed to have um, been able to teach a small class, I think it was maybe 10 was my smallest class but my largest class was 40. Wow. And when you're standing in front of 40 individuals who all need personalized attention, a lot of times as teachers, that is just, you know what? Not a lot of times, it is, it's very overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And so it's very easy to give our attention to the spectrum, to, not to the spectrum, to the, to the ends of the spectrum, yes. you know? Um, Lisa is listening to me and I am going to, and, and she's engaging. And so she's giving me all these good feels. So I'm going to give her good feels back and I'm going to call on her every time because I know she's going to be there for me and it's not going to be crickets. Or uh, uh, Jenny is off the chain and she's jumping on chairs. And so I 
have to speak to that. And I want to make sure that I uh, correct that behavior in a in a way and give attention, attention, attention to the negative behavior. And then you got this middle section who's just sitting there quietly that don't really get a lot of interaction with you. They get a worksheet handed to them and you speaking to them and then hopefully them talking to their peers, but they don't get you. And through no fault of your own really, because there's no way of tracking it. There's no way of tracking how many times I'm talking to John because he's quiet. This does that, this does that. And I was just floored. Um, in my work with Sculpted Clay Productions, because it, it goes beyond just supporting the educator. Um, we have programs also that support students as well. Um, but in my work with Sculpted Clay Production, it was especially interesting to me because it gives this teacher an opportunity to um, really pare down and not have to think about the overwhelm of it. It's literally a, a tap on an app, a tap on an app, a tap on the app, a tap on the app. And then afterwards I can look at it and say, oh, okay. Okay, so then now I have a, a game plan instead of when my you know, principal or school leader comes in and they're, they're watching me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have uh, anything to show on how my students are, are doing the way they're supposed to be doing or how I'm getting students from A to B. This shows you exactly how you're doing that. And you can share it not only with school leaders, but with all kinds of stakeholders, parents, absolutely. Um, in IEP meetings, oh, you know, this is how it's working for me. Um, and something that you said, Moshe, sat with me. Um, I don't know if it was the first time we talked or the second time we talked, but a lot of times when we are meeting about students, uh, meeting teacher, uh, meet, meeting parents or school leaders or whatever about, about students, um, and the student has been disruptive or the student has uh, been exhibiting negative behaviors in the classroom, right? Um, we don't see the incremental changes that are made, you know? So uh, I'm gonna use the example that you gave me and I'm gonna you know, paraphrase it, but I'm gonna use that example, right? So if Darnell comes in class and usually he is just crazy, he's bouncing all over the walls, he's interrupting, he's, you know, and, and you've tried every intervention that you possibly can. And it seems like nothing's working, right? Um, but if you have a way of tracking it, if Darnell comes in, you know, and he's disrupting the classroom 10 times during your lesson, um, and you try an intervention, and then Darnell only interrupts five times during the lesson, that's a 50% decrease, you know, or increase in his attention paid yes. in class. You know, and I'm and being able to track that puts puts it in a different perspective for both me as an educator and the parent. I can say, hey, yeah, the IEP meetings, yes, this is what's working. And this is the empirical evidence to show you that it's working instead of going into it and say, Darnell's still cutting up, Darnell's still doing this, he's still X, Y, and Z. That's not helpful. Right. And it's also so inspiring for the kid to hear like that their efforts are, are paying off. Yes, yes, Amazing. yes. 
so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was floored. I'm still floored by it and just very uh, excited about this partnership and as far as being able to, to go into schools um, and being able to offer everything that Sculpted Clay offers uh, with these systems for education, uh, educators as well as students and to be able to show how it's working on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. Wow, Isis, couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we are equally excited to be partnering with you. I love the passion that you bring. And we're really looking forward to really improving the lives of a lot of kids, a lot of teachers, really giving the system the positive injection that it so desperately needs coming out of this pandemic and still not completely out of it. Right. You know, every day you're hearing something else up and down and schools opening and closing and masks and vaccinations and all that, all that stuff. So hopefully, hopefully all that settles down. But in the meantime, we're going to work really, really hard to get this into the hands of the people who need it. And uh, it's, we're excited about this too. <laughs> Isis, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Looking forward to many more conversations together and really building this relationship, the Sculpted Clay slash Class Stars relationship into something really, really special. Thanks so much. Thank you. Let's get it, Moshe. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the Class Stars podcast. To learn more about our vision for education, subscribe to us, visit our website, take our free training, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Join the revolution in education and become a Class Stars today, empowering educators one episode at a time.